In this message, we do a quick overview of demonology, how demonic powers affect people, our authority in Christ, and some practical aspects of ministering deliverance, a useful primer for learning how to minister deliverance and set captives free. You know, um, this is probably the longest uh, we've spent sitting on a particular top topic. It says you're part 11. I'm not keeping count, but it's 11th Sunday on this topic. Uh, we have a few more Sundays to go. Uh, but I think uh, it's important for us uh, to learn, to understand, uh, to equip ourselves because God wants to work through e- each one of us. Amen. God wants to manifest, he wants to reveal himself through each one of his people. And, and if we learn how to make ourselves available, then God will work through us. And so that's our intent, to equip each one of God's people. See, God wants to work through you, let's learn it, let's begin to uh, make ourselves available, and God will work through our lives. So this morning, we, we're going to cover two chapters, chapter 10 and 11. They are both very big chapters Uh, I'd encourage you to read them at home, study them at home. Um, But uh, this morning, the next maybe 40, 45 minutes, we're going to do a quick overview, right, uh, on demonology and deliverance. Uh, Understanding the work of demonic spirits and how you and I can minister deliverance to people. So when we use the word deliverance, the word deliverance simply means to be set free, to set a person free. And in this context, we're talking about setting people free from demonic power. Uh, As I've been mentioning in in previous Sundays, in ministering healing and deliverance to a person, we need to understand the interconnection of the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. So what may seem to be a physical problem could actually have emotional roots. And so next Sunday, we'll talk about that and and bringing healing to the emotions. But also understand that what could be a physical problem could also, also be energized or affected by demonic spirits. And so when ministering to a person, we need to be equipped in all three areas. How do you bring healing? How do you bring deliverance? And how do you bring inner healing or inner wholeness? You know, someone say, some people say, Pastor, why are you talking about all this? This should be, you know, you should talk about this in the Bible college. And yes, we do. We do an entire course on this, uh, full semester on demonology. But, but, you know, Jesus did not say these signs will follow those who go to Bible college. He said these signs will follow those who believe. Amen? That's what we're talking about it in church. Because we are believers, we're here to learn about these things so that God can equip us and then God can work through us. And the more believers who are out there doing this stuff, more lives are going to get affected. Amen? So uh, let's, let's uh, try to understand a little bit this morning on uh, how the origin and the nature of Satan and demons, how they operate so that we will learn how to minister deliverance to people from demonic powers. And I'm going to just go through this very quickly to give us an overview. But I encourage you to take time to study it during the week. Keep about 30 minutes every day. Uh, read a few pages. Underline it with a marker pen. Study it. So Let it just settle into your spirit. And so, you know, uh, this, these things will really become a part of your life and things that you do uh, as, as a Christian, as a believer. So let's talk about the origin and nature of Satan and demons. You know, the Bible gives us insight uh, in several places, in Isaiah the 14th chapter, also in Ezekiel 28, also in Revelation chapter uh, 12. Uh, The Bible gives us insight as to where Satan and his demons originated from. We know, as the Bible teaches, about three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. They were archangels, meaning they had high authority, high rank in God's kingdom. Lucifer was one of them. Isaiah 14 talks about him and, and, and how he was, uh, he decided to take the place of God. And so he was then dismissed from heaven along with about a third of angels. Revelation 12, I think it's verse 9, says that when he was sent out of heaven, he took a third of his angels with him. And they were cast out of heaven. So Isaiah 14 
11, uh, 12 onwards says, How about thou fallen, Lucifer, son of the morning? And it describes him as, as the archangel. And, and if you study these passages of Isaiah 14 and 28, you, we understand what Satan contains or Lucifer had before the fall. He, he had music in him. He had royalty. He had beauty. He had wisdom. He had uh, control uh, over several things, authority over several things. And when he corrupted all this, he was thrown out of heaven. So all of these things are in him, but in a corrupted form. In a, in, in a form that is totally against God's original intent. So Satan has wisdom, but it's wisdom that's corrupted. He's got musical talent, ability, but it's that talent, ability that's corrupted. And, and so on, you'll discover these things and, uh, that's in Lucifer, but it's corrupted in a wrong, uh, and used for wrong purposes, used for wrong things. Satan and his, de and the demonic spirits are disembodied spirits, meaning they don't have their own body, and they seek embodiments, primarily in human beings, but they can also seek embodiment in animals. And you see that in the, in the New Testament, when, when these evil spirits were sent into a herd of pigs there. So they seek embodiment, they want to inhabit something, dwell in something. We also see that Satan and his demonic spirits are hierarchical in nature in Ephesians 6 and verse 12. The Bible talks about principalities and powers and rulers and spirits of wickedness. They are hierarchical in nature. Uh, they have rank and they have order. Uh, there is all rank and order in Satan's kingdom. They are also, um, the Bible teaches us, this is on page 202, that they are specialized. You find evil spirits are specialized in what they do. You have blind spirits, you have deaf spirits, you have lying spirits, spirits that cause depression, meaning there are certain kinds of spirits that engage in certain kinds of activity. Now, you, it's not necessary to know the entire uh, range of activity or uh, kinds of spirits by their names, but it's sufficient for us to know that there are spirits that engage in certain kinds of activity. And normally in Scripture, they will be addressed by the activity that they are doing. So a spirit that's causing uh, perversion will be called an unclean spirit or a perverse spirit. A spirit that in, uh, causes people to lie will be called a lying spirit. So you name the spirits by the activity that they are carrying out. We also see in scripture that evil spirits or demonic spirits are territorial. This is on page 203. That means they are localized. They usually, normally, concentrate their activity in a certain locality, a certain region. That's why when you go to certain parts, uh, a certain village, you'll find that in that village, or in a town, or among a community, or maybe even across a region, uh, or a nation, you, you'll find that there are certain predominant kinds of activity prevailing in that community or in that village. Because these, these kinds of spirits are localized, they're operating in that region. So, very often, by looking at what's going on, you'll be able to tell what kind of spirits are influencing that region, that community, or that village. Are you with me so far? Right? Because they're localized. They're, uh, they're focusing their efforts, kinds of spirits focusing their efforts in that region. Now, what's very important is to understand, uh, this is on page 203, the influence of the spirit world. How does the spirit world gain access into our natural realm? This is very important for us to understand. Because when you're ministering deliverance, you not only have to deal with the spirits, but you also have to deal with the entry points, the access, the doors that were opened in the life of that person to give access to evil spirits. There's no point in simply casting out the spirits and leaving all the doors open. Because when you go away, what Jesus said was, those spirits will come back and they'll bring their friends with them. And the state of that person will be worse than when you came to minister to them. So it's important to not only minister deliverance in the sense, set, not only to drive out those spirits, but also to make sure that the doors that gave access are closed. So that's where this understanding how the spirit world engages with the natural world is important. We list them here on page 203 if you follow with me. How 
uh, the influence of spirit, well, they can influence individuals and various uh, 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 other activities here. Now, just look at that on page 23. Uh, demonic spirits can have access or influence over individuals. And on page 204, we talk about various degrees of demonization or influence or, uh, that they have. At the, very, at the very lowest level, we talk about influence. All of us face this, even though we are believers. Demonic spirits try to influence us. How? Through temptation. Anyone here never faced a temptation in life? We all face it. Doesn't matter how long a believer you've been. As long as we are on this earth, there are devils around us to tempt us. Right? Things, other things they do deceive us. They get us to believe the wrong thing or think the wrong thing. Intimidation. Put fear in us. I know you can't do that. Or intrusion. They try to intrude into our lives, into our circumstances, into our situations, into our work, in, our, in, in, the, in the normal course of our activities. They try to intrude and interrupt them. Uh, our, their op opposition try to hinder us from doing what God's calling us to do. All of us face these kinds of things. So what you're going to learn today are things that you can use for your own life. Sometimes you're about to do something and you find opposition. Now most well-meaning believers will say, hmm, I think God is telling me to stop. But on the other hand, it could be the devil putting that obstacle in your path. So don't credit God for what the devil's doing. Instead, what you and I should do is rise up and say, no devil, God told me to go ahead, I'm going ahead. Amen? Don't think that every roadblock is God telling you no. It may not be. Maybe the enemy trying to stop you from pursuing the purpose of God. And you and I as believers need to know how to push that aside and press forward. Amen? The other le increasing level of demonization is oppression. Which means it's against our will, against a person's will. It's overpowering somebody. That's oppression. What, what some of the things that we list under oppression would be things like sickness, uh, depression, bondages, meaning being held captive to various things, things like addictive behaviors, other kinds of things, bondages, uh, mental, emotional, behavioral strongholds, things that occupy a place in our lives, in our minds, our emotions, our uh, behavior that control us. We call them strongholds. So this is an increasing level of demonization, uh, de demonic activity, uh, and even believers can be oppressed, okay? Even believers can be oppressed, face these kinds of things. But the good news is we know how to minister to uh, those who are oppressed. Then there's an increasing level of possession, which is people could be part, you know, Possess part-time, as I call it part-time, meaning they're not always manifesting. There are periods of normalcy, they behave very normally. But then there are times when they're abnormal, they're manifesting. The spirit in them is uh, agitated and, and is, uh, is manifesting, expressing themselves through the person. Or they could be full-time, meaning they're completely deranged, manifesting all the time, out of control all the time. Now a believer cannot be possessed. Because you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. God's Holy Spirit inhabits you, dwells in you. And then there is empowerment, which is the highest level. Meaning here are human beings who are empowered by evil spirits. They can tell your past as though they were following you around all the time. Not because they are so smart, but it's because the spirit, a fortune-telling spirit, is operating through them. They can tell you pretty accurately. Or they can do lying. The Bible calls them lying signs and wonders. They do supernatural things, but they do it by the power of evil spirits. That's empowerment. It's the highest level. They're now, they are familiar spirits, meaning they're friends with certain kinds of spirits that empower them in certain ways. So understand these varying levels of demonization and, and, and the work, the way spirits work. Page 207 is what I was trying to get at is how do we engage with the spirit worlds? What opens the door and gives entry to evil spirits? It's important that we know this. And we list some of these here on page 207. Number one is disciplines. Disciplines like prayer, incantations, worship, meditation, other religious forms, 
actually enable people to connect with the spirit world and give access to evil spirits in their lives. Now, many of these people who are engaging in these things may be very sincere. But their sincerity is not in any way a prevention from demonic spirits. They may be very sincere in the incantations or uh, what they're doing. But it's actually opening the door to evil spirits in their lives. So as believers, we have to be very careful not to imbibe some of those uh, disciplines. Because in the name of, hey, this is only a spirit, this is only a discipline. You are actually engaging in things that are spiritual in nature and that can open up doors to the wrong kinds of spirits. Are you with me? So got to be careful. Second thing is obviously dedications. Here in church, we dedicate children to the Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes people, parents, people themselves would dedicate, make a vow, a pledge to the wrong kinds of things. And that dedication is like a contract, a spiritual contract that gives demonic powers access to that person's life. And we need to be careful about that. We dedicate, we could make dedications through our words, through the prayers we pray, the things we say. We are making dedications. And that give a legal access point to evil spirits. Thirdly, sacrifices. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 19, 21. I'm not reading all the scriptures because they're available here in the book for you to go and read them. 1 Corinthians 10, 19, 21. Paul says, you know, when you offer something to an idol, you're not just giving it to the idol, you're giving it to the demon spirits behind the idol. That's serious. So, in making sacrifices, and you can make all kinds of sacrifices, but in making a sacrifice, you're actually offering worship. To the power behind the idol is what the Bible is teaching. And that act of worship is an access point. When we worship God, we're giving God access to work in our lives. When you worship the wrong thing, you're giving demonic spirits access. The highest form of worship, of course, is human sacrifice, the sacrifice of the firstborn. It's the highest form of worship, sacrifice you can make. And that's really serious, really deadly. And there are religious rituals and practices that actually invoke certain kinds of demonic spirits and give them access. So it's important for us to know this because when we are ministering to people, we also have to deal with how did these spirits come into your life. We have to deal with that. We'll talk about that a little later. But when we're about to go forth and go out and minister deliverance to people, it's very important for us as believers to know that we have spiritual authority. Amen? We are not here trying to gain authority. We are already in a place of spiritual authority. Amen? So put your right hand up and say this with me. I am in a place of spiritual authority. I am in a place of spiritual authority. Over every demonic power. In Jesus name. Amen. This truth. Has to be. Deeply rooted. And seated in your spirit. There's got to be no question in your mind. That you are somebody. Who has authority over the devil. Absolutely no question. The basis for our authority. Is the finished work of Christ. On the cross. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 says that on the cross he disarmed the principalities and powers. And he triumphed over them and he made a spectacle of them triumphing over them on the cross. Hebrews 2 14 says through his death Jesus destroyed the one who had the power of death. Now remember Jesus did not 
do this for his own sake because he was already king of all kings. He was already lord of all lords. He didn't have to do it for himself. The reason he did this on the cross was for you and me. That as a man, he triumphed over the devil so the rest of us human beings who believe in Jesus and enter his kingdom can walk in his authority. Amen? That's why he did it. So the basis for our spiritual authority is the finished work of Christ on the cross. And that work has been done. That battle has been fought. It's over. Amen? So for example, think about the Champions League. I don't know which team is going to win, but let's say you come into the finals. The two teams play the game and one team wins. Team A wins. It's done. The game's over. They've gone home with a trophy. You can't replay the game. It's over. It's done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus finished the work. He went home with a trophy. Game's over. Amen? So we are not contending for victory. We are contending from a place of victory to celebrate that victory, to enforce that finished work in the lives of people. Amen? And we're just learning how to do it. There's a right way to do it. So we're learning how to bring that, that deliverance, that victory into people's lives, to administer it correctly so that others can experience what Christ accomplished on the cross. How do we administer it to them is what we are learning to do. Right? The basis for our authority can be uh, uh, broken down in several aspects. And uh, this may sound very technical, but it's just really to persuade us that we really indeed have spiritual authority and we can walk in it. And so we've broken it down in these, these areas. Uh, we, we have redemptive authority. The fact that you are redeemed puts you in a place of authority. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 says, God has delivered us from the powers of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of his own dear son. Okay. All right. God has delivered us from the powers of darkness. And he has translated us into his own kingdom. The fact that you are redeemed puts you in a place of authority because you are now in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And his kingdom is a superior kingdom to the kingdom of darkness. That's it. Who are you? A redeemed person. You belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Immediately, you are in a place of authority over the powers of darkness. Amen? Our redemption is not only a bringing out from the powers of darkness, but it's a taking into something far greater and better. He brought us out to take us in. And what we've been brought into is so much superior. Automatically puts us in a place of dominion over the works of darkness. Secondly, we have uh, what we call as, this is on page two, uh, 211, we have inherited authority. Several places the Bible shows us that we are the children of God. Colossians 1.12, we have, uh, we are the father. He's brought us into his own uh, family and has given us an inheritance as saints. Romans 8, 16, 17, we are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, we are sons of God. The fact that we are part of God's family and have become sons and daughters of God and therefore we inherit things from him puts us in a place of authority. The son or a daughter born to a king are not ordinary citizens in the kingdom. We call them a prince or a princess. The fact that they were born to the king immediately places them in a position of authority and dominion. The fact that you were born into God's family has automatically caused you to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Amen? In the spirit, that's who you are. And this has caused you to be, carry in you, have wasted in you, inherited authority. I am a son, a daughter of God. You are a son, a daughter of God. Therefore, you are an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. Let's put you in a place of authority. 
in the realm of the spirit. Who's coming there? It's an ordinary person. He or she is an heir of God. It's a prince or a princess. That's your identity. That's who you are in the spiritual realm. It gives you authority over all the powers of darkness. The third aspect of our authority is the fact that we have delegated authority. Jesus gave us authority. He said, Luke 10, 19, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy, nothing will by any means hurt you. Okay, lift your right hand up. Say this with me. Jesus has given me authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt me. Jesus said so. Amen. Jesus said, I'm giving you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, meaning to have mastery and dominion over these things. And over all the power of the enemy, nothing will by any means hurt you. Now you've got to act like it now. Amen? Now what did Jesus say? He said, us, he said a very simple thing. He said, freely you have received, freely, freely you have received, freely, what do you give? What you received. What have you received? He said, I give you authority. I've given it to you. So now give it away. Use your authority to bring deliverance to people. And the last aspect of our authority, we call it positional authority. The fact that we are seated in a place of spiritual authority. Ephesians 2, uh, 4 to 6 says, God who is rich in mercy, he's raised us up together. He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we are seated in that place in Christ so you are positioned in a place of authority. The reason we broke it down to these, all these aspects is because now you have no excuse to say, I don't have, a, I have no authority. No. God has wasted this in each one of his children. You have it in you. Young and old, middle-aged, everybody, everybody in between. Every child of God has authority, spiritual authority. Amen? Put your right hand up and say this to me. I'm armed and dangerous. I'm armed and dangerous. Watch out, devil. Okay? Every child of God has been vested with this authority. So now, we've got to use our spiritual authority. See, don't be like the policemen on Bangalore Road, you know. Something happens, they just turn off and pretend they haven't seen it. I mean, you see that so often, right? Like, right in front of your eyes, something is wrong. Somebody, you know... Or runs the red light or does something, the policeman just turns around the other way like <laughs> probably it's a sign of helplessness. He says, I can't I can't do anything about it, you know. But as believers, we should not behave like that. Don't turn away. Approach it. Let's do something about it. Because we believe God's wasted us with authority to do something with it here on earth. Amen? So now, we know we have uh, the authority that God's given to us. Let's just, just quickly mention these things. Page 213. We have authority over demonic powers. So whatever kind of spirit it is, you have authority over it. Any spirit that's invading our realm, invading this world, coming into our realm and causing problems, you have authority over it. You have authority over demonic powers. Page 214, you have authority over demonic works. That means what they are doing. You have authority over their works. You have authority over demonic influences. Whether they're having influence over people or in systems that, uh, that, that concern you. Um, uh, uh, whether they, have a, they are ex exercising their influence over objects or artifacts. Or this is on page 215. Uh, you have authority over it. Now, Understand this, that, you know, demonic spirits can attach themselves to objects, artifacts, buildings, places. That's why when we go pray, um, 
we cleanse the place. Sometimes when I, if I'm going to a hotel and staying in a hotel, if I, if I get, now I'm not, I don't do this all the time as a ritual, but if I get a sense that something is wrong with this room, because I don't know what all took place in that hotel room before my coming. I don't know what activity took place there. But if I get a sense that something's wrong in the room, I don't get scared and say, oh, no, please change my hotel room. <laughs> you know? I don't do that. I know how to handle it. I stand there and I say, I've come here in the name of Jesus. And while I'm in this hotel room for the next two, three days, I am cleansing this room. I say, devil, you have no more access into this room. Because I'm coming, you have to vacate. Right? After I leave, again, I have no control on that room, what happens there. But, you know, the point is this, that as a believer, you have authority over demonic influences. Whether it's in rooms, objects, homes, uh, some of you may rent homes, and when you're moving in, just go in there. You don't know what all happened before. Uh, you don't know when during the construction of the building, you know, typical here uh, in India, you know, they may dedicate the ground, they may cut lime, do this, do that, put all the things in the foundation. You can't go and uproot the foundation and say, take, out, take it out. You can't do those things. But what you can do is when you move into that place, you exercise your spiritual authority to break the demonic influence over that place. You have the right to do that. Doesn't matter if the landowner or the builder, when they constructed it, they may have dedications, may have done, and most oftentimes they do, dedications of that ground, that building, etc., to whatever powers. But when you move in, you have authority over that demonic influence. So while I'm here, nothing's going to happen. Amen? So exercise your authority because you have authority over demonic works, demonic influence. Uh, 215, you have authority over doctrines of demons. You know, uh, doctrines of demons, we're talking about philosophies, ideas that are actually demonically energized. Many of our children, when they go to school and college, uh, are, are, are exposed to the, the, these kinds of things. You can't prevent that. Uh, 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 it's, 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 this is everywhere. But what you do have authority is you have authority over the doctrines or the demonic powers behind those doctrines. So what you have to fight is that. The spiritual powers empowering those philosophies, those ideas. You can't go around and change the whole system, but you can fight the powers that energize the system in a wrong way. Are you with me? You've got authority over those kinds of things. Um. And so now we want to talk about how do we minister deliverance. Ways to minister deliverance, 200 page 216. There are several ways the New Testament reveals to us to minister deliverance. I'm just going to quickly give us an overview. Through issuing a rebuke or a command. Here are some examples that are quoted here in Luke chapter 4 verses 33 to 36. Uh, when Jesus was in the synagogue, this man with an unclean spirit, he begins to manifest. He's crying out. What does Jesus do? In verse 35, he says, be quiet and come out. So he's issuing a command, a rebuke. Be quiet and come out. Again, in Acts 16, 16 through 18, you know, Paul is, uh, and his team are in Philippi. There's this uh, a spirit woman, a girl with a spirit of divination. She's able to you know, uh, tell fortunes and all that. And uh, wh what does Paul do? How does he bring deliverance? In verse 18, he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. She's commanding, issuing a command. So you, minister, you bring deliverance that way. You exercise authority by speaking words of command. Um, you cast them out through your words. Jesus said in my name, they will cast out. To cast out means to be forcefully evict, to change them out. How do you do it? With your words. In Matthew 8, 16, it says there, he cast out the spirits with the word. He evicted them. Forcefully drove out the spirits with his word. So you issue a command. You cast out those spirits by forcefully saying you have to come out. You evict them with your words. Page 218. Through binding and losing. Through binding and losing. In Matthew 12, 29, Jesus said how can you enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless you first bind the strong man. Then you can release uh, uh, what he has in his possession. And Jesus vested that authority in the church in Matthew 16. He said, I will build my church. The gates of it will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Keys represent authority. 
what you bind and you bind on earth what is bound in heaven you release on earth what is released or loosed in heaven so as a believer you have authority to bind and loose lift your right hand up i need to keep you awake say this with me i have the keys of the kingdom of heaven i bind on earth what's bound in heaven i loose on earth what's loosed in heaven in other words that authority is vested in you if you and i don't exercise it don't use it nothing's going to happen how do you bind and loose or what do you bind and loose you find here in luke um luke the 13th chapter there was this woman in the synagogue she was bent over jesus looks at her and says woman you are loosed from your infirmity so he was losing a setting of free from what the condition from what satan had bound her with so in binding and loosing we bind up that means we tie up we bind up what the devil is doing in a certain situation and we loose or we set people free we release them from what the devil is doing to them and we do it by issuing words of command so sometimes when you're praying for somebody you might say in the name of jesus i bind what this devil what these devils are doing you can name you know spirits of depression so confusion or whatever turmoil so i bind these spirits from what they're doing in this person's life or in this situation and in the name of jesus i release this person i loose this person from whatever's going on in their life that's how we do it that's exactly the way jesus did it i even but if we don't use that we're not going to help people he's vested that authority in us we've got to use it and continue to use it binding and loosing and a couple of other things here that we see in scripture on how to minister deliverance to people page 220 through destroying by the anointing of god we destroy that means we dismantle we break down the works that we see so he say in the name of jesus i destroy every chain that's holding this person captive so the devil enslaves them so in our language we will say they've been chained up they're bound or uh, uh, you know so in the name of i destroy every chain or i destroy every stronghold the devil's built up in this person's life or in their circumstance in the situation i destroy every hindrance that's causing the flow of finances so that's causing the flow of whatever so whatever obstacle the devil's put you say i destroy that obstacle so you have the anointing the power to destroy are you with me then use it do it by your words jesus uh, the, the lord spoke to jeremiah and it's not there not quoted there but jeremiah chapter 1 and, and verse 12 god says jeremiah behold i have put my word in your mouth for you to root out to pull down and to destroy and to build and to plant my word in your mouth that word that you speak will pull down tear down destroy and he's not talking about pulling down buildings but he's talking about the spiritual things in the realm of the spirit by his word in our mouth so our words when we speak cause uh, this kind of thing to happen in the spiritual realm and through removing it's page 221 uh, you remove burdens yokes the devil has put upon people's lives so i remove this i cast it off and lastly through closing open doors and entry points so that means when you recognize that there are entry points in people's lives maybe they've prayed prayers of ded- dedication maybe they have uh, made vows to gods and goddesses and all of those things you have the authority to cancel those things and you need to do that because every vow every dedication every sacrifice that they may, may have made or their ancestors may have made on their behalf is a legal contract that gives demonic spirits access into their lives and need to cancel it so that they no longer continue to have legal hold on those people's lives so if you think about this in the natural realm you have the high court and the supreme court the supreme court has the right to override what is grant or declared in the state high court you're coming from the supreme court so you have the right to override any contract any thing that they may have made and many cases you'll find people have done that many times ignorantly you know they they don't know but the sacrifice they made the the dedication they made actually opened the door to those spirits and so you come in there and say in the name of Jesus 
So many times when ministering to people, I would say, especially in the area of deliverance, I would say, I would speak over them and say, in the name of Jesus, I cancel every dedication, every consecration that they or their ancestors have made to false gods and goddesses. I cancel it. You pray that way. Because now you're breaking every legal access, every entry point into their lives. Are you with me so far? So you have the authority to minister that way. In fact, you need to do that. In the next few pages, we talk about personal preparation. Page 223 onwards on what you and I need to prepare, how we need to prepare ourselves for ministering deliverance. Nothing very complicated. Just walk in obedience to God. Our obedience to God empowers us to walk in our authority. We must walk in faith. Don't doubt the authority that God has given you. Uh, 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 it takes faith to walk in that spiritual authority. Uh, page 24, use the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Uh, pray, extended uh, in times of intercession are needed. Uh, walk in praise. Be persistent. Sometimes uh, the devils are stubborn. And, and so we need to be persistent. Fasting helps us. Uh, sharpens our focus, prepares us to minister. And minister as a team, work together as a team. That's corporate power uh, when we go out to minister. Now, we're going to run through chapter 11 in about 10 minutes. Okay? Can you give me 10 more minutes? Yes, I know it sounds like a Bible college class. <laughs> but 10 more minutes. Now, in chapter 11, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the practical ways on how to minister deliverance to people. Um, there is, of course, the one-step approach in ministering deliverance. Uh, how Jesus did it and what he taught us here in page, page 227. I've, uh, but, uh, sorry, on page 228 and 229 onwards, I've, I've put down some general instructions for delivering. Just some, some practical things, things I've, uh, I've experienced myself and things that we've learned through observation. You know, when you're ministering deliverance, you don't have to shout and scream. You know, listen, the devil is not afraid of but the volume of your voice. He recognizes authority, right? So you don't need a microphone to minister deliverance. The devil is not afraid of the volume of your voice shouting and screaming and all of that. Um, minister with confidence, with authority. Be persistent. Uh, when you're ministering deliverance, uh, other things to keep in mind is, uh, you know, uh, don't go after the trying to get <coughs> uh, the devil to talk so much. You don't need to know everything, you know. As long as you know it's the devil, you have the right to cast it out, right? So you don't have to say, you know, when you came, how you came, why you came. I, I, I know in some, some ministries, some cases, you know, people do all that. It's, it looks nice on, on TV, on, on, on video. But really, that's really not even necessary, you know. Your goal is to get the person free and not, to, you know, make a nice movie out of that, you know. So don't ne unnecessarily engage in it. If it's going to help in some way of ministering to that person, okay. But don't try to be... Uh, unnecess don't unnecessarily engage in, in long conversations with the, with the devil. Um, speak boldly, clearly. Um, like I mentioned, I give some other practical things here uh, on page 231. Uh, some interesting things uh, um, is that sometimes when you're ministering, uh, let's say you're ministering to a girl and this, this really happened, she was a vegetarian, and then the devil speaks up and says, I want meat to eat. Hey, I know she's a vegetarian. <laughs> and here's the devil speaking, saying, I want meat. Get me meat. Now, it's only a distraction. Very often, many times you'll find the devil saying, you know, I want water. Now, you don't need to stop and go get water. Okay? It's only a distraction. So, uh, we understand that even the devil, uh, even the devil's manifesting, uh, trying to distract you from being focused on setting the person free and think that you have to meet these uh, these other needs, which are actually a distraction. Don't, don't even waste your time on it. Continue ministering. Nothing will happen uh, to the individual. Um, uh, learn to depend on the Holy Spirit to reveal uh, what may have happened uh, uh, to uh, allow these things to come in. Don't let the physical manifestations disturb you. This is on page 232. You know, there are times when people will shriek, fall, roll on the floor. All kinds of things will happen. Don't get scared. It's, it's not the person doing it. It's the devil causing the manifestation to take place. 
right? And of course, the devil knows that, that they have to leave, and you're, you're there. And so all these things happen. Don't let it be afraid. Don't even get impressed. I remember once I walked into a room, that girl was sitting on the bed, and immediately she, she went prostrate and held my feet. Uh, that moment, you must have felt like a god, you know, wow. But don't get distracted. <laughs> Say, no, get out of the way. You know, I'm not impressed by these things. Uh, don't let these things affect you. You're dealing with the spirit. Don't let, you know, what they do outside. Thing. Or they may come intimately to hurt, to hit you. Right? Uh, as though to be physically, again, don't say, no, stop it in the name of Jesus. Okay, you have authority, you stop it. So don't let the, the physical manifestations in any way affect you. Right? Uh, just be firm, be confident uh, in, the, in, in what God has given you. Now, on page 233, we talk about the one-step approach and a process approach. And I'll be done in 10 minutes. The one-step approach is very simple. When you're ministering to people, uh, it, it's simple. You know, whatever the problem is, you issue a word of command, uh, you, you minister to them by the anointing of God's spirit, and they are set free that moment. That's the best way, it's the easiest way that ha to happen, to minister deliverance to people. Or you go into a situation, you, you take authority, uh, you minister, and the work is done. But normally, although that's how we normally see in the ministry of Jesus, when we minister, we may not necessarily see everything happen instantaneously. And so we engage in what is called the process approach. Now, just as I mentioned about John Wimber and the five-step prayer model, for the process approach, I've borrowed a ten-step model from a man named Pablo Bottari. Now, Pablo Bottari was a man who worked with Carlos Anaconda. Carlos Anaconda was an evangelist, a businessman, whom God used to bring revival to the nation of Argentina. So a mighty revival broke forth, and, and I think still continues across Argentina. Uh, God used Carlos Anaconda in that, in that revival very greatly. And uh, Pablo Bottari worked with him, uh, especially in the big crusades. Uh, people will begin to manifest. They will carry them into what they call this deliverance tents and pile up the people in the deliverance tents. And there, Pablo Bottari and the team, the people that he trained, would minister deliverance to many thousands of people. So in this ministry, at least, you know, uh, approximately, he may have personally ministered deliverance to over 50,000 people. So he's a very experienced man. <laughs> you got to listen to what he has to say. And plus, he trained so many people to work with him in the deliverance tent. So it was not just him doing all the work. He had a team of people whom he trained. And this is what he used. He used this 10-step model to train people on how to minister deliverance to others. So I just borrowed that uh, because I think it's a very simple, very nice way to share and te teach people, you know, these, these are things you need to know when you are ministering deliverance to people. I'm just going to run through these 10 steps. Again, keep in mind, the power is not in the steps. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And there are situations you may not be able to do every step. Honestly. Now, if that person is shrieking, shouting, you can't put him up and say, let me do step three. You, know? you, you cannot. There are situations you won't be able to do. But it's good for you to know. And when the situation permits, you use whatever possible. Right? But it's nice to know these are areas you need to cover when you're ministering deliverance. So we, let's go through these 10 steps very quickly. Let's get into page 236. Step one, very simple. Give the individual priority, all right? Take care of the person. You know, uh, sometimes I've seen people, you know, they pull their head, slap the face, kick him. It's like, oh, man, what are you doing? It's, it's almost like the person is the enemy. <laughs> you're not dealing with the person you're dealing with the spirit. So pulling the person, say, slapping them in the face, kicking them, is not going to affect the evil spirit one bit. You would only end up hurting the person. You, know. you may deliver the person, but send them to the doctor to get their jaw fixed or something. You know. So don't do those kinds of things. Pay attention to the person. Treat them uh, with love, with honor, with respect. Right? So if they're, if, they're, if they're manifested, rolling on the floor and, and, and all those things, hey, it's a person. It's a, there's a person here. Yes, this, they're manifesting and they're behaving strangely at this moment, but treat them with respect. Don't, you know, don't think uh, causing the physical harm is going to hurt the devil in any way. It's not. 
Treat them with love. Pay attention to the person. So what must you do if all these things are happening? Page 236. Number two, if, the spirit, if a spirit manifests, bring it into submission in the name of Jesus. So you take authority say, be quiet. You find Jesus doing that often. He says, be quiet and come out. You know, some preachers say, make more noise and come out. You know. <laughs> no, just be quiet. It's not, we don't want to get any attention or any approval from the devil. Be quiet. Come out. Right? Be quiet. Don't talk. So get that person calm down. Then begin to talk to that person. Establish communication with the person. Now you need to understand from the person why and how did this happen. Um, what do they want to really be free from? So you need to communicate. Now again, step three and step four may not be possible in some situations. Okay? Where you may not be able to engage in a conversation. The person is totally out, uh, just manifesting, and, and you can't have a conversation with them. Fine. You skip those steps. But this is the normal thing you try to do. So you calm them down. What, what happened? So they might say all kinds of uh, different things. We've, uh, you know, for instance, I remember one lady. We went to minister to. She said one particular day, uh, she went to listen to a guru. She sat in that meeting. She was listening to this man giving his lecture. At the end of the lecture, he called every person to come forward. He placed a shawl on each one of them. So she went forward and, and he placed a shawl on her. From that moment, she lost it. Started, uh, you know, the, the evil spirits came into her and she went back home and here she was talking all kinds of strange things. Uh, suicidal spirits, talking about suicide, all kinds of So now you know what happened. This, the spirits that came in at that moment in that lecture by this guru. So now you know what to deal with. You know how these things came, right? Uh, another time uh, a young man said, he was coming on a train, sitting next to somebody. Uh, uh, they gave him a piece of black cloth. The moment he wiped his face with the black cloth, lost it. Evil spirits came. From that time, you lost it. So now we know what to do. There was, there's something demonic, a witchcraft that's, been, uh, that's involved in this whole thing. Right? So uh, if, you, if you're able to talk, if they're able or somebody who knows that person tells you, look, this is what happened. You know what the problem is. You know what to deal with. And again, I'm not. I'm saying you may not always get the opportunity. If it's if they let reveal to you, this is what happened. It's good because now you know uh, what you're fighting against and how you're dealing. What you have to deal with. Sometimes you may not be able to do it. Ask the individual number four. Ask what the person wants to be free from. So uh, there could be some uh, uh, addictive behaviors. Uh, they could be depression. They could be. Uh, other emotional things, it could be things happening in the situation, circumstances, finances, or various kinds of things. What do you really want to deliverance from? So you're, you're coming to an understanding of what you're going to deal with, uh, with that person explaining to you, giving the information. Step five, make sure the individual understands that they need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior. There is no use in casting out evil spirits and then letting the house be empty. It's better not to do that. Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, they'll go and get seven more wicked spirits and come back. So you have to tell the person, listen, I will do this. If you're willing to give your life to Jesus Christ and get, them, get Jesus into your heart. Otherwise, it's better I don't do this for you. You have to let them know. Are you willing to do it? receive Christ into your life? Or as soon as they are delivered, lead them to receiving Christ into their so if you cannot get to do, talk to them about this before, then as soon as you're done, sit down and say, it's very important for you now to receive Jesus into your heart and let him rule in your heart and life. Otherwise, things will just get worse. So make sure we do that. Step six, uh, find out what were the open doors and entry points, like we've been talking about a little earlier. Has the person made any dedication? Many times you will be able to see it on their bodies. They have black um, threads around their wrist. They may wear an amulet or sometimes even the necklaces they are wearing have been dedicated in some temple somewhere and that has given them access. You know, uh, so you will see it on, on what they are wearing. If there's no obvious evidence, you ask them, you know, uh, was there any uh, dedication made? Did you go and make a dedication? Do you know of anything? Sometimes they may not be aware, but in those situations, I would still go ahead and cancel it. I would say, if there was any cancellation, any dedication, any consecration made by this person or anyone in their family over their life, I cancel those dedications. It's important. 
In some cases, homes have been dedicated. You can't go and dig up the foundation and take it out. And they will tell you, when we dedicated, you know, we cut two chicken here and put chicken on there. They do all those kinds of things. And you can't undo that. But you have the authority to cancel what has been done. So if you're uh, praying for a building that, that seems to have problems, you cancel those dedications. So whether it's individual or buildings or objects, you are closing those doors of entry, those access points. So um, step seven, you lead the individual in closing these doors. So when you think, tell me, see, repeat this prayer after me. Pray like this. You say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce these things. Similarly, there could be physical activity, people involved in prostitution, uh, people involved in pornography, people involved in other kinds of things. They, through their activity, they have opened the doors. I know this, this lady came forward to prayer. She said, I have a back pain. So here I was, you know, I was going to pray for back pain. But the moment I laid my hands, she started manifesting. And all kinds of sounds are coming. Started, you know, it's a crazy, crazy scene. So now we know it's demonic. It's not just a back pain. It's demonic. So we ministered to her. But then right after she was delivered, the people came and said, you know, she is a prostitute. So what's the root cause? It's not the back pain, not even the wicked spirits. It's her lifestyle. What has to change? Her lifestyle has to change. She needs to get into a community of believers who will help her live a holy life. If she goes back to that lifestyle, it will only be worse for her. So, you get that individual to renounce those things. I renounce whatever consecration, whatever dedication I made. You know, uh, some people are engaged in some of the cults, uh, even quote-unquote Christian or religious cults. Many of them are not just, they may appear on the surface to be nice, but once you get involved with it, they're actually leading you into a lots of dedications. The Freemasons, for example, leads you into so many levels of dedications. You can't be a Freemason without making those dedications. So now you've, when you come out of it, you've got to cancel those things. Because those dedications have given access to demonic spirits into your life. And the kinds of dedications that lead Freemasons through is not just for the individual, it's for their life, their lineage kinds of dedications they make. So got to be careful about being involved in these things and cancel them. So I cancel all those dedications that were made. So you're breaking any access. And then, uh, step eight, when all doors are closed, you cast out those evil spirits. You tell them to leave the way we've talked about. Lead the person to prayer and thanksgiving. And lastly, you get them, get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Just pray for the Spirit of God to fill them, uh, fill their heart because He is the greater one who needs to inhabit them. Amen? And uh, lastly, give post-ministry suggestions, meaning tell them, look, you need to be among a community of believers. You need to get into God's word. You need to be strong because eventually they need to keep the doors closed. The human heart is like a house. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. The devil comes in without knocking. <laughs> the door's open, he just walks in. So they need to know how to guard their own spirit, guard their own life. And so therefore, they need to get into a good church and have the word of God established in it. So that completes the work of deliverance in their lives. Don't just abandon them like that. Amen? So you all learned something this morning? Now just imagine if all of us can go out into this world and when we see needs, it might be your school, in your college, it might be in your work, and you step in and say, hey, I learned something. Let me step in and help. Don't be afraid. Go do it. Amen? Jesus said, nothing will by any means hurt you. Be confident in that. So, oh, pastor, if I chase the devil, the devil chase me. <laughs> no. Don't even think of it. You know, what you believe will be done for you. So don't even believe that lie. Believe what Jesus said. Nothing will by any means hurt you. I'm coming against the devil. Place and position authority. If anyone has to run, it's the devil. Amen? Let's do it. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you for your attentiveness. I know some of this might be new to us and maybe a little heavy. But I believe that God really wants to work through each one of us. And we need to be equipped. We need to know how to do these things. And, and there are people all around us who need help.
even highly educated people, even people who have a lot of money, they also dabble in all these things and they get themselves into trouble and you might find them around you and they need help. And, and now you know how to minister to them, how to bring help into their lives. So I just want us to pray. I want you to pray a simple prayer this morning and say, God, use me to help people. Use me to go out there and help people, God. Father, we just pray right now that you will use each one of your children here. Use each one. That when we go out, Lord, and see people who need help, help us to engage with them, bring deliverance to their lives. Holy Spirit, come. Empower each one here to do what Jesus taught us to do. To use the authority given to us to help people. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and all the days ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Just go out and use all that God has put in you. Freely you have received. Freely. Yeah, go be a blessing. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.